service at 6. Invite a friend, co-worker, or a neighbor. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're carrying on with the message that Paul is teaching now to the church of Corinth. You know, it's very awesome to be able to see that the church of Corinth mirrors or reflects a lot of the culture in the church in which we are living in today, the church of Corinth. In fact, there was uh, so much pride going on in the church. Uh, there was not a true sense of love in the church. And because of those things, there was division and sin had creeped into the church and had taken over the church. But in fact here, what Paul does is he reminds the church in Corinth to be united last week, to be united, to humble themselves and be united. And now this week, in, in the now to springboard off of unity, he tells them and he takes them to the cross. Because that's where we should start our walk with the Lord. That's where we should continue our walk with the Lord. And that's where we should finish our walk with the Lord at the cross. If you like taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, I titled today's message, Nothing But The Cross. Nothing But The Cross. And you know what he does in this message is that he reminds now the church, he reminds them, God is not using you, Corinth, because you're so smart. God is not using you, Corinth, because you are qualified in your human wisdom. In fact, he says philosophy is good at asking questions, but philosophy is not good in giving answers. It's not good in giving the answers when it comes to God and life. Human wisdom will come and, and fall short, but I want to take you to the cross where you understand who you are before God. See, the cross is so important because in a world and at a time where our opinions are valued so much, everyone's opinion is valued so much today, where human understanding and, and wisdom, it's looked off and it's revered too much now. He tells them, you are not a big deal. And sometimes we need to know that. You know when you realize that you're really not a big deal, that you need God in everything in life, is when you go to the cross. Because the cross is not only, it's not only comforting as, as we think about the cross and we think about hope and peace and forgiveness in the cross, but the cross is also not only comforting, the cross is also convicting. And the cross is confrontational. It, it allows you to li live a life in victory. You see, one of the things that the cross also does is that it pricks and it, convinced, it, it, it convicts the core of self-centeredness. It pricks and it convicts the core of selfishness, the core of pride in your life. And it allows us to see our sinful nature and there we can die to it at the cross. See, when you think about the cross, you think, Lord, I am self-centered. I am self-righteous. When you look at the cross, we realize we are sinners, that the core of our selfishness still exists. And we can do one of two things. We're either being delivered from sin and the disease of self, or we are becoming more like Jesus Christ and less selfish and more selfless. I like what Paul said in Galatians 2.20 because he described it so clearly. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me. You know what he's telling us here? You know what he's saying here? That all my passions, all my desires, all my wants, my opinions, I've crucified them at the cross with Jesus Christ. And it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. 
That means that everything that I, in, in and of myself, that exists, that does not please God, I put it to death, and I want to live a life according to His will. When you accept the cross of Christ, you know what you're accepting? You're accepting the will of God. And so many times we put the cross aside so that we can live our lives after our own desires, after our own passions, after what pleases us, after self-pleasure, when the cross calls us to die to self. And He's going to let them know it's nothing but the cross. See, where's the emphasis in your life today? Is the emphasis in your own accomplishments, your accolades, your human understanding, what you've qualified yourself before society, the status quo of where you live, maybe how much money you make, maybe the degree of amount of education that you have, maybe the, the, the accolades and accomplishments that you've been able to now finish in this phase of your life. But here he tells them it's not about the messenger, it's about the message. And that message is the cross. That's the focus, that is the attraction, the message, not the messenger. We're just the vessel through whom God chooses to communicate His word through. And when we start to make life about ourselves and the message about ourselves, we miss the entire point, and that was the cross, to die to ourselves. You see, in... Verse 20 of chapter 1, he then calls out the wise of Corinth, the philosopher of the Greek, the Jewish traditionalist that wants to look for a political savior. And in verse 20 of chapter 1, he says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe, the studied man? Where is the disputer of the age? Or where is the debater that wants to debate this? In fact, in verse 20, has not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? Has not God chosen to use the simple to be able to now confound the wise of this world? I told you last week the story about how when we first started the Bible study and people were coming to know Jesus. How a gentleman stood up after the study. He said, you know what? I know God can use me for sure. He, he can use me 100%. Just imagine. If God can use art, of course He can use me. And it's so true. Because we're nothing in and of ourselves, we're just a messenger. And it says here, has God not made the foolish, is the basic of this world, to be able to use, to, to teach the wisdom of what this world looks like? You know what the message and the theme of what Paul is teaching here? He says, by the grace of God, he's saying, and in Christ, in Him crucified, I have everything. And outside of that, I have nothing. It's when we start to think that outside of Jesus, outside of the cross, outside of His will, that we have life, that we are very much so mistaken, and we're going to live a life miserable, empty, and without the Lord. He said, has not God made all those things that are attractive to you just foolish in comparison to the cross? Everything that's so attractive in our culture is foolish when we take in consideration the cross. And in verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, you see, God in His own wisdom and His understanding, His infinite wisdom outside of time, He knew and He said, with, with human wisdom, they will not discover Me. And in verse 21, He explains it. They did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message priest to save those who believe. You know what it tells us here? That God has made known that through human wisdom... That will not answer or solve the question to salvation. In fact, God saw that through human wisdom, He would not use that as a means to proclaim the message. In fact, He was going to use a foolish 
basic, simple teaching so that he can receive the glory. You know what happens when we start to think that, that we're being used because of us? Oh, I discovered now salvation. And the, Corinth, the church in Corinth was saying, you know what? Because I'm so smart, God is using me. Because I'm so qualified, God is using me. Because I'm approved by the standard and validated by the society and the world. And God can use me. And guess what happens then? Man starts to take the glory. What we learn here is that man doesn't take the glory. It's God who takes the glory. And that's what he says, where's the debater? Where is the disputer? Where is the wisdom? Where is the scribe of this world? Has God not chosen to use just basic, foolish, normal people, simple people, to be able to preach the message of salvation? I like how in, in the book of Acts, where the scribes and the uh, politicians looked at the disciples and they saw how boldly they were talking. and said they saw the boldness of them and they were amazed because they were untrained and unschooled men. You see, you know what they did? They made themselves available to be used by God. They were just normal people. They said, we can't believe that those normal people are talking with such boldness. Because they knew the message of the cross. And it says in verse 22, For the Jews request a sign. What do they request? They requested a political savior that would give them deliverance from the Roman Empire. And maybe today you're requesting for something temporary. And now here, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And the Greek people wanted to elevate themselves. Some people wanted a temporary savior. Other people wanted to elevate themselves in, in society and status through philosophy and through education. Some depended on a political saviors. Others depended on the human wisdom and philosophy. But we get to depend on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that's exactly what He's teaching us today. But we preach Christ crucified. We're not seeking after a political savior. We're not seeking after human wisdom and philosophy because it comes up short. In verse 23, he takes it to the core issue of life. And that is we preach Christ and Him crucified. It says here, to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. The Jewish people, when they, when they started to note this about Christ and Him crucified, it was a stumbling block. They said, there's no way that Jesus is going to save me, him being a Jew, that there's no way that him, Jesus, is, go, is going to save me. He's no better than I am. And the Jews stumbled over Jesus, and, and it said that to the Greeks, it was foolishness. You know why it was foolishness, the message of Jesus? Because they were thought that they were too smart to be able to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. In fact, their pride did not allow them to believe and have faith in Jesus Christ. And it's so interesting because sometimes our pride does not allow us to receive the cross in our lives. We reject the cross because of our pride. But when you embrace the dramatic love of Jesus Christ through the cross, your pride there ends and you die to yourself and you live in Jesus Christ. You see, you know what they're learning to do here? They're learning that the only way to meet God is through Jesus. And through Him being crucified. See, Calvary is a place where me and you have to visit daily. When was the last time you visited Calvary? You know when you visit Calvary, when you go and you die to yourself and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I choose to die to my pride. I choose to die to my ego. I choose to die to resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. And I choose to live a life after you. 
And this is exactly what he's teaching them now. He's letting them know that your pride is the place where it does not allow you to go to Calvary. But when you go to Calvary and surrender, your pride completely now is dismantled and your selfishness is surrendered. I love what it says in Proverbs 29. It says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Many seek a ruler's favor, but justice for a man comes from the Lord. Where are you looking for favor? Are you looking for approval in man, in society, what people tell us, what looks good, what, 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 what is, sounds good? And in Proverbs, Solomon tells us too, many of us seek favor from man, but true, but those who trust in the Lord know that they will be saved. See, the Word of God is the foundation of all knowledge. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can't find knowledge or wisdom outside of God. It starts with knowing His Word and fearing His name. And if we don't know His Word or fear His name, we're going to be end up lost. We're going to end up empty. And it says in verse 24, But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, but those that are called, those that have, have now responded to the message, both Jews and Greeks, Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You want to know power and you want to know wisdom? See, some wanted power. The, Jewish, the Jews wanted some power. The Greeks wanted some wisdom. And we in our world, we look for it. What, what is it that people want? We want power. We want name. We, we want to grow in our, in, our, in our culture, in our society. You want to know power and you want to know wisdom. It is Jesus Christ. But to Him, here it says in verse 24, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You want to know the power of God and the wisdom of God? Then we have to know and focus on Jesus. We cannot focus on ourselves. You know what the problem in the church is today? That sometimes our eyes are fixed on self instead of fixed on Jesus. And when our eyes are fixed on ourselves, we become bitter. Our hearts become hard. We alienate ourselves from Calvary. But when our hearts are at the cross of Jesus Christ, we walk every day more in the will of God. Verse 25, it says... Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man. Man, doesn't this really right here just come and completely destroy your plans of thinking that we are something or, or better than others? Thinking that, that because of our, our human understanding and wisdom and, and talent, gift and ability that, that we are someone that God wants to use. It says here, the, the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than man. He is much stronger. He is much mightier. The New Living Translation reads this verse, The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. Just think about that. And God's weaknesses is stronger than the greatest of human strength. You see, if the church today wants to invade the city, our work, our families, our marriages, whatever, if we want to invade them with God, we have to go back to a place where it's absolute dependence upon the wisdom of God and not of self. Sometimes we want to fix our problems with our own human understanding. We want to go ahead and fix our situation with it. But it's only in the power and the wisdom of God, which is in Jesus and in Calvary, that we find a solution. We are not smart enough. We cannot do it on our own. We need Christ in everything and for everything. And that's exactly what He's trying to tell us right here. That, that we cannot handle it on our own. We need the Lord. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Verse 26, what is he telling us now? He's giving us an illustration. For example, he's saying here, 
You think that because of your own human understanding, Corinth, that you are able to be right with God? In fact, in verse 26 to verse 29, he tells us and he uses examples that God has used in just regular people to be able to get glory himself. Just think about if he wanted to use someone that's so studied and so approved in their own eyes, that person, that, that channel, that vessel would think, you know what, it's because of me that all this is taking place and God would not get the glory. God doesn't share his glory. God wants all the glory. And if you want to give God 99% of the glory, He'll just say, keep it, I don't want it. He wants everything. And it says in verse 26, You see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. You see, we have all a calling in our lives. But God is not going to allow an influential, powerful person that thinks that it's because of them to be able to be used by Him. Yeah, those things are not bad. However, they are not bad. However, God does not want you to depend on that for usefulness. God does not want you to depend on that for your life. God doesn't want you to depend on those things. He wants you to depend on Him. And it says here, verse 27, But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. See, God has chosen, He has elected such basic things of this world to put to shame the things that are wise. Sometimes we ask, Lord, how can you use me? The Lord wants you to use a simple heart, an available heart. He doesn't look for you to be all trained up and, and approved by man. He looks at you to be approved through His Son, Jesus. And all you have to do is come to Calvary and say, Lord, I'm ready to surrender my life so that you can use me. And God has chosen the weak things. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not smart enough. God wants to use your weakness. <laughs> In fact, there is something about human weakness that God is attracted to. You know why? Because He gets to get all the glory. And sometimes we think, well, God is never going to use me. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the talents. I don't have the ability. God said, perfect. That's the person I want to use. <laughs> because I get to get all the glory. You know, there's something that's attra- that, the Lord, attra- that attracts the Lord in our weaknesses. Because there He can become strong. And what's the whole purpose of using us? So that He can get all the glory. He has chosen, verse 27, the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Verse 28. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. You know why He does this? Why the Lord does the way He does things? So that nobody would think that it's about themselves. This really, this example, this message of the cross is to teach you that it's not about you. It's about the Lord. And if you think it's about you, then we're wrong. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. The way Jesus uses you, the the reason on why He chooses to use your life, it's all for Him. In fact, the reason why we're saved is to bring Him glory as well. He sent His only Son by His grace so that He can get glorified in that act of love. Even that act of the cross was to glorify Himself. Everything about us is to glorify the Lord. It's not about you. In fact, He can use anyone to serve Him to get glory. And that's what it says in verse 29, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Have you been trying to glory in the presence of God lately? Maybe thinking that we are wise in our own understanding. 
that, that we can in and of ourselves grow and, and learn. And I don't need Jesus. I'm smart. I have everything that I need. That's the, the number one thing that our world looks at. Why would I need Jesus? Some people need Him because they don't have these things in life. But I don't need Him. I have everything that I've ever wanted to accomplish. I have the family. I have the money. I have the house. I have everything. Why would I need Jesus? But here He's saying, we're nothing. We need Jesus Christ. But of Him, you are in Christ, verse 30. Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. You want some wisdom from the Lord? You have to meet Jesus. You have to know Jesus Christ. And here he's telling us here that no one's going to receive the glory. The only one that should receive the glory is God. Otherwise people will think that they found God because of their wisdom and not because of Jesus. He's saying down with the intellect, down with the pride, down with the self-confidence, know Jesus Christ. And in verse 30, what does he tell us? In Him you are of Christ, in Christ Jesus, who have become for us the wisdom of God. Because of Jesus now you have wisdom that comes from God. That means that if you know Jesus, then you know wisdom. And if you don't know wisdom, you don't know Jesus, you do not know wisdom. The farther that you step away from the, the relationship with Jesus Christ, is the farther that you have become from the wisdom of God. In fact, Jesus has become wisdom itself for us on behalf of God. And the righteousness and sanctification and redemption, those three things God has done for you through His Son Jesus. He has done three things. He has redeemed you, He has sanctified you, and He has made you righteous. First of all, we can see how has Christ has made you righteous by sending His Son Jesus. You weren't right with God, but through Jesus, now you are righteous. Righteous means I stand before God now forgiven. I'm righteous because of Jesus. That is the wisdom of God. His wisdom, His plan was that I would be right with Him through Jesus, number one. That I would be righteous. Number two, that I would be sanctified. You know what sanctified means? Not only am I right with God, but because of Jesus, I am now set apart from the world for God's special use. How are you sanctified? Sanctification is the process of you becoming holy. When you go to the cross, you become more holy. When you die to yourself, you become more holy. God's made you right before God, but through His Son Jesus. He has also now sanctified you by keeping you holy in His Son, but He's also then redeemed you. See, redemption is so important because all of us were in bondage of sin. And God not only wants to forgive you of your sins, He also wants to give you freedom from your sins. See, sometimes we we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and God forgives you. But that's not where it stops. God doesn't only want to forgive you. God also wants to give you deliverance of your sins. So that those things no longer have power over your life. And He pays the price for your freedom, so you no longer have to be a slave of sin, but now a servant of God. The New Living Translation reads this verse, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our our benefit. God has made Him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure. He made us holy and He freed us from sin. What did He do? He made us pure. He made us holy and He freed us from sin. Verse 31, which says, that as it is written, He who glories... Let him glory in the Lord. What do you glory in today? When you think about God has made me right through His Son. God has then through His Son kept me holy. God has then through His Son not only kept me holy, but also paid the price so that I don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. 
then He gets all the glory. To God alone be the glory. Verse 31, As it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Don't glory in yourself. Don't glory in your accomplishments. Glory in the Lord and give Him all the glory. Because He's the one that's able to make a broken life whole. He's the one that's able to make an empty life full. A, a hurting life. Heal that life. And that's exactly why He is able to, to be able to receive all the glory through our lives. You see, the evidence of, of us being saved is that we begin to look more with the eyes of Jesus. We begin to love more with the heart of Jesus. And we begin, we begin to think more with the mind of Jesus. And that's when you're changed more to be more like Christ at the cross. When you start to look with His eyes. When you start to love with His heart. And when you start to think with His mind, what, what, would, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would He love? How would He think? How would He express Himself? You know what happens here? Your character starts to express itself through the nature of Jesus Christ now. And you know that you're not living for yourself, but you're living for Christ. You see, in chapter 2 of verse 1, we're going to read the very first five verses where it talks about, and Paul is saying here now, the cross of Christ. He says in, in verse 1 of chapter 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech. He said, I didn't come trying to show off. I'm telling you, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's, a, it's, a, it's about the message, not the messenger. I did not come with excellency of speech or the wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. When I came to talk about Jesus Christ, I didn't come trying to oppress you. I didn't come trying to here attract you. You see, the, the job of, of us as missionaries and evangelists is not to try to impress anyone. Not to try to make people laugh. That's not our business. Not to try to entertain people, but to give them the cross of Jesus Christ. What are you giving people? Are you trying to impress them? Are you trying to create followers for yourself or creating followers for Jesus Christ? Here Paul tells us, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech. I didn't come as a salesman. I didn't come with, with big impressive words of human understanding that tries to win people over. Because that doesn't change people's lives. The only thing that changes people's lives is the message of the cross. And he says, Or with wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determine here in verse 2, this should be our mission in life statement. I determine not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, I determined that I was going to know anything. I determined that I wasn't going to approach it this way as an entertainer. I, I, I determined that I wasn't going to come in such a superficial way. And worldly wisdom to present the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, I wanted to come the most effective way. And that's preaching Jesus and the cross and Him crucified. You know, it's, it's not like Paul didn't know any better. That he, didn't, he couldn't share any better. In fact, Paul was a very smart, studied man. But what Paul chose to do is, he chose to put all the attention and all the focus on Jesus so that others would be saved. It's the problem is when we put the focus and the singular attention and passion on ourselves that people don't get saved. That people don't come to Jesus Christ. Because we're not taking them to Calvary. We're taking them and giving them a taste of ourselves instead of a taste of Jesus Christ and the love of God at Calvary. And that's exactly what he's saying in verse 2. I determined to not waste space. I determined to not waste words. I determined to not waste time because I wanted to be a good steward of the message. See, sometimes we put so much on over the message 
We put our own space, our own time, our own words, and we try to entertain the message to make the message sound so good for people that at the end of it, it has no effect. Because we've changed it so much that you can't even distinguish the cross of Jesus Christ in the message. That it's just us. That when people come, they, they, they see us or they, they meet us at work or at home. They see us and we have completely now uh, disguised the cross of Jesus Christ when we've made it all superficial. See, the cross does not need and is not a sign uh, to an entertainment crazy generation culture. It's not a sign of entertainment. It's not a sign of come and make me feel good. It's a sign where you come, you understand that you have salvation, and you come and you die to yourself because of He who came and died for your sins. And sometimes we be, get in the way of the cross. We get in the way of Jesus. There was a story of a little girl that went to church with her mother, and there was a guest speaker that day preaching. And that guest preacher was short of stature. So... She was able to see behind what usually stands behind the pulpit. And she saw a stained glass window. And that stained glass window was a picture of Jesus there on that glass window. And she told her mommy during that message. She pulled her by the shirt and said, Mom, Mom, where is the older man that gets in the way where I can't see Jesus? And we think to ourselves sometimes, am I that man? That's taller. That's getting in the way of Jesus where others can't see Him. You see, God likes to use us when we remove ourselves from the pedestal and say, Lord, it's about you and it's not about me. You know what a Calvary does? It gets straight to the bottom and the core of your need. Uh, of your need where it brushes away the superficial. And it says, you, you know what? You actually are exposed there to what your sin truly is. Verse 3, it says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. You know what he's telling them there? It's, it was always about the cross of Christ. And I wanted to model humility. You know what we have to model? We have to model humility. You can't be scared of being weak before the Lord. In fact, weakness, the Lord will use it to be able to give us brokenness and revival. In our lives, and that's what we need is spirit flowing in our lives. It says, I was with, with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. I was modeling humility because I loved you. I was among you. And I knew my sense of weakness. I wasn't self confident, I was God confident. Paul is showing us in verse 3 that he didn't trust in himself. Paul is trusting on the wisdom of God, he's not trusting in himself. It says here, going on in verse 3 and 4, and my speech. And my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. What does his speech tell us? It was all about Jesus. It wasn't about himself. You see, Paul was always interested in making Jesus the focal point. See, I never try to bring people to myself. And here he's telling them again, it's about the cross of Jesus Christ. And I relied on one, not human wisdom, but I, I relied on the Spirit and the power of God. What are you relying on today? Are we relying on the power of the Spirit of God, on the power of the Holy Spirit? The greatest source of power available to us, which is the Holy Spirit? It's our responsibility not to rely on self, but to rely on the power of God. And so many times you want to know the reason why we can't accomplish great things for God is because we're relying on self-power instead of the power that comes from God. 
So many times why, the reason why we don't get the answer of what we've been praying to is because we want to manipulate a situation and get the answer that we want with all human strength and say, Lord, I'll help you from down here and I'll do it on my own with my own hands. And God is saying, I don't want you to get involved. I want to get all the glory. But He want, expects you for the first to surrender at the cross at Calvary. And in verse 5 it says, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What is your faith founded on? Is your faith far more than superficial wisdom of God? Is your faith founded on the power of God? You see, you know when your faith is founded on the power of God because the Lord starts to use you. See, when your faith is founded on the power of God, it's not founded on something that's so temporary. If human wisdom can get you saved, let me tell you also this, human wisdom can also draw you away from God. And that's what it's saying, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Today choose to trust in the power of God. Today choose the cross of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I don't want to get in the way of the gospel. I want to be a servant of the gospel. And if we've got in the way of the gospel and say, Lord, I want to remove myself so that you can be, Lord, magnified and glorified. And I want to be a servant of the gospel. Because what you draw people with, if you're drawing them with your personality and with impressive words and all this stuff, what you draw them with, that's what you draw them to. And are you drawing people to yourself, followers of man or followers of God? Here Paul explains to us very clearly that we should not be persuaded into our faith by human wisdom, that we should be persuaded into our faith because of the power of God and the cross of Christ. Have you made it about the cross of Jesus Christ in your life or have you made it about something else? Are you prepared to meet Jesus at Calvary where He drives you right to the corner in the spot and the place where it requires everything of you and you can say Lord thank you for the cross because here I see that I am weak and that I need you and that you are strong see that's exactly what we need we need to know Lord I need you and in and of myself I'm nothing we're nobody and that's what it says that no one can glory in his presence you see what we need in our church is humility because when we have humility, our love for one another grows. And we choose to die to ourselves and lay our life down for one another. That's exactly what he's telling the church of Corinth. Don't think it's because of you. Give the glory to God. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you because your word, Lord, it stands true, Lord. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that changes lives, God. It's not a show that changes lives. It's not entertainment that changes lives, God. The reason why we need to know the cross of Jesus Christ is because there we meet the, the greatest love of all. It's the love of God. And maybe today we need the love of God in our lives. Maybe today we've been seeking for fulfillment and satisfaction, Lord. And human wisdom will take us empty, Lord. Understanding, Lord, of this world, God would cut us short, Lord. But we need to come to the cross where we die to ourselves. We die to our pride, our selfishness. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves, God. I thank you because at the cross is birth humility. Humility. 